All right. So last week we discussed the idea of Zachor and Shamor. Zachor, remember the Shabbos? Shamor, guard the Shabbos. And uh, how they were said by God in one utterance. And the reason for that, how they are uh, mutually necessary to each other. And that's why they have to had to be said in, at the same time. We had a few different ideas of why. Um, in general, though, the idea of Zachor, remember the Shabbos, um, speaks to the positive commandments of Shabbos, the idea of making Kiddush. Um, and as it appears in the first set of Ten Commandments, over there it says, it talks about, because God created the world in six days and resting on the seventh, it relates Zachor, remember the Shabbos, to the Shabbos of creation. And, uh, and we explained that the, the uniqueness of the seventh day, the holiness of the seventh day, comes from the fact that that's the day that God rested on. There, you know, otherwise, what's special about day seven? That's what's special about it, is that it's the day that God rested. And so the sanctification, the zahar, the kiddush of, uh, uh, of Shabbos relates to the Shabbos gracious, the first Shabbos, the Shabbos of creation. Shamor, which appears in the second side of commandments, is, uh, is about um, refraining from the forbidding activities of Shabbos, from the malachos, from the constructive activities. And, uh, and the second side of the Ten Commandments, the second time they appear, it talks about not, it doesn't relate, it doesn't mention the creation of the world. It mentions that it's to commemorate the exodus from Egypt, that God took us out from Mitzrayim, from Egypt. And so we relate the idea of shamor, shamor, refraining from malacha, from constructive activities, to the exodus that um, by, you know, God freed us and we rested as a result of that. And uh, we rested from our slavery and resting from our, our work also reminds us of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So, uh, so we have uh, the exodus. So we have these two ideas, Zachor and Shamor. And, uh, and the, uh, the, they're both necessary. They both come together. They're both important. Now, the Gemara tells us, and this is the first source, that they, that there's a famous story discussed in the Gemara on Shabbos about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, um, how Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai spent a lot of time in uh, isolation with just his son in a cave and uh, many, many years. And then when they came out, different things happened. And the Gemara recounts the following um, eventually. One of the times they emerged from their cave, it says that they came out as the sun was setting on Shabbos Eve, Friday night, and they saw an elderly man who was holding two bundles of myrtle branches and running at twilight. He was running um, as Shabbos was coming in, and they said, why do you have these? What are these two myrtle branches for? And he said to them, they're in honor of Shabbos. So they said, let one suffice. Why do you need two? So he answered them, one is corresponding to Zachor, remember the Shabbos, and one is corresponding to Shamor, guard the Shabbos. And then Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son, they were satisfied, see how beloved the mitzvahs are to Israel, and their minds are put at ease. You know, previously they had uh, looked on people with disdain after they emerged from their holiness in their cave, and now, uh, now they had a better, more positive outlook. But a very uh, interesting story 
where you have this fellow, he has uh, two aravos, two myrtle, uh, sorry, two adasim, two myrtle branches, in honor of Shabbos, one corresponding to Zachar, one corresponding to Shamor. Um, I do not have the custom of bringing uh, two myrtle branches to my Shabbos table, but apparently such a custom exists. Uh, the Shla, the Shnei Sabris, one of the uh, one of the, he was actually a contemporary of Ramosha Israelis, the rabbi, I think a brother-in-law. Um, and he writes that it's proper for a person to uh, to have these two moral branches based on this passage. And he said, I've seen that. I've seen those who are careful to make sure they have two, uh, two hadasim because it's mentioned in the Gemara. So, uh, so one can have uh, two moral branches, maybe two bouquets of flowers. Twos, things come in two, and they are to remind us of Zachar and Shamar. Again, I haven't seen this practiced, but I'm sure there are those who, who do it. What's more famous and well-known and practiced by, I think, basically all Jews all over, is to light two Shabbos candles in commemoration to remember Zachar and Shamar. The idea of Shabbos candles is to have light. That, uh, you know, in a society where, uh, where we didn't have electric lights, so in order to have the proper atmosphere on Shabbos, to be able to eat a meal in, uh, in, you know, in comfort, in order that people not crash into each other on Shabbos, so in order to maintain the proper atmosphere, so you need a light. So there's a requirement to have a light on Shabbos. That's where the, the, the idea of Shabbos candles comes from. But really it would suffice to have one. And the Shulchan Aruch actually says that. It's enough, really, to just have one. But he says that there are those who are careful to make sure that there are two. One corresponding to Zachar, and one corresponding to Shamar. Again, we want to have this, uh, this representation, this reminder of Zachar and Shamar in front of us, at least at the onset of Shabbos, as we, as we begin Shabbos. And... Uh, and that's what I want to think about a little bit is, uh, is you know, we, we light, usually the mother of the household lights the Shabbos candles. Sometimes it's only a man. The man will light the Shabbos candles. But uh, and then we kind of, especially because we don't need the light as much, uh, we kind of, they're over there. You know, they're, they're some on the table, some on a shelf, wherever they might be. And we don't think too much about them. But if we actually consider that one of them is to correspond to Zachar, to remember the Shabbos, and one corresponds to Shamar. So go back to last week's class, and you can review that one. If you weren't there, you could get the link and, and, and listen to it, watch it. But, uh, and we, we are to think about what, you know, Zachar, and think about Shamor. But today I want to go with a more just general idea when we look at the candles, and uh, not specifically so much to what Zachar represents, what Shamor represents, but an idea about Shabbos, that uh, it can serve as a reminder when we look towards the candles. Um, in, in Jewish law, in Halacha, it's actually mentioned the idea of looking towards the candles at a certain point in Kiddush, and uh, that's what we'll see in a moment. So, uh, so let's get into that in the following way. There's a very important verse in the book of Yeshaya, the book of Isaiah, that informs us about a number of laws relating to Shabbos that are not the 39 malachos, not the 39 prohibited constructive acts, but other laws relating to Shabbos 
how we're supposed to um how we're supposed to speak on Shabbos, how we're supposed to enjoy ourselves on Shabbos, and how we're supposed to walk on Shabbos. So the verse, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, this is in chapter 58, it says, if you restrain your foot because of the Sabbath from performing your affairs on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight, the Karasala Shabbos Oneg, the holy of the Lord honored, and you honor it by not doing your wanted ways from walking your regular ways by not pursuing your affairs and speaking words, then it's good. So it lists off a whole list of different things. We're not going to explore all of them right now, but there's obviously, you can tell from the verse, there's a lot of different little details being mentioned over here, but we're going to focus on um, um, what the Gemara, what the Talmud elaborates on the words from, uh, from doing your, your, your ways. And the Gemara says that that teaches me, and that's the fourth box on the on the source sheet, for those who have the source sheet, if you don't, make sure to email me, and uh, I'll send it to you next time. Um, the, uh, the, the Gemara says, that you shouldn't walk on Shabbos the same way that you walk during the week. There are, there's a way to walk on Shabbos and you can't walk and, and, and a way to walk during the week. You shouldn't walk on Shabbos the way you walk during the week. So uh, the Gemara says, what is, this, what is this way that we're not supposed to walk on Shabbos? The Gemara has a certain suggestion that I left off because it ends up rejecting that suggestion. Then it has another suggestion <laughs> as follows. The Gemara says, so rather say that walking that is defined as characteristic of weekday walking involves taking large steps so what the in the hebrew it calls it pisia gasa large steps during the week we take large steps on shabbos we shouldn't take large steps what's a large step many different opinions expressed in the commentaries because the gemara the talmud is vague about it some say um it's walking more than a, an ama a cubit so that's like one and a half to two feet um some say uh you know, that would be in one step. Some say uh, that it's jumping. Some say it's running. Um, whatever it is exactly, we're supposed to kind of slow down on Shabbos, the Gemara is saying. Now, the Gemara says, but wait a second. It says, rather, it's defined as Rabbi Huda Anasi raised the dilemma before Rabbi Shmuel, son of Rabbi Yossi. What is the rule with regards to taking large steps on Shabbos? And he said to him, and that, that's really the answer. The answer is that we, you know, we, we should be careful about taking large steps. But then the Gemara goes on and it says that he said to him, and during the week are large steps permitted? As I say, a large step takes away one five hundredth of a person's eyesight. And then the Gemara says, and his eyesight is restored to him during Kiddush on Shabbos evening. Okay, so a lot of the uh, Let's just summarize again what we said. The Gemara is wondering what kind of walking is it that the that the the prophet here is prohibiting. The Gemara says it's large steps. The Gemara says, well, large steps are not only prohibited on Shabbos; they're a problem even during the week. As it was said, large steps take away one five hundredth of a person's eyesight. And then it says, but it's restored to one during Kiddush on Shabbos evening. Okay, now just to sort out, the Gemara doesn't seem to have a conclusion. What kind of walking is not allowed on Shabbos? So some say, 
in fact, that what it's what really the Gemara is concluding is on Shabbos, it's prohibited to take these large steps to jump or to take wide steps. During the week, it's not recommended. It takes away one's eyesight. It's there, there's no outright prohibition against it, but uh, it's not recommended. And it uh, takes away one five hundredth of a person's eyesight, and it's restored restored to a person during Kiddush. It's a very strange passage. You know, why would a lot, what's wrong with large steps? Why would they take away a person's vision? Why would they affect one's vision? And uh, <laughs> and what does Kiddush have to do with anything that that vision would be restored when uh, when one makes Kiddush? Now. Furthermore, like, what is it? How, how do we do it? You know, how does one get their vision restored at Kiddush? And there's actually different opinions. Rashi commenting on that Gemara says, when you drink the wine, that's when your vision is restored. Others say, no, you take the wine and you rub it on your eyes, and that's how your vision is restored. Others say, well, you can't do that on Shabbos. You're not allowed to do acts of, uh, you know, a, a medicinal acts on Shabbos, a curing. And so... You can't rub it on your eyes on Shabbos. Actually, you see this custom by Havdalah after Shabbos that some people take the wine and they'll rub a little bit on their eyes because you can't do it on Shabbos, but you could do it after Shabbos. Um, but in practice, actually, what's actually recorded in, in Shulchan Aruch is none of the above. It's not to, to, to drink the Kiddush wine restores your eyesight. It's not to, uh, to rub the... Uh, the wine on your eyes, but rather as follows. So the Shulchan Aruch, when talking about how one makes Kiddush, so the Shulchan Aruch says that uh, Shulchan Aruch is Rabbi Yosef Cairo's code of Jewish law, and uh, uh, and he says one should recite Vayichulu while standing. What's Vayichulu? So at the beginning of the Kiddush, we read verses of um, from the end of of creation from the uh, the Genesis Bereshis end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two. Actually, it's on the source sheet um, on the second page, the verses. So, so we say at Kiddush, we say Yom Hashishi. It was the sixth day by and God completed the uh, the heavens and the earth and, uh, and all of their hosts. Etc. And we read these verses that come from the the end of create of the creation story, as the beginning of Kiddush, and uh, and the Shulchan Aruch is telling us that uh, when you say Vayifulu, when you uh, when you talk about how God completed the creation, so you should be, you should stand, and uh, and the idea is that actually we're giving a testimony when we read those verses, we're testifying that uh, God is the creator of the world, and when one gives a testimony, they are supposed to stand. However, the Ramah, Ramosha Isserlis, who was from the Ashkenazi communities and, and wrote glosses, corrections on the Shulchan Aruch too, as they apply to Ashkenazi communities, the Ramah says, one may stand for Kiddush, but it's better to sit, and the custom is to sit, even when reciting Vayakulu, except that when one starts, one stands a little bit to honor the name of God, because we begin with Yom HaShishi Vayichul HaShemayim, which hints to the name of God acrostically. I made up that word, but it didn't spell check it, so apparently it's a word. So, uh, acrostically. So what, what, what's the Ramah saying? So first of all, um, he's, he's saying that 
it's you could stand, but it's better to sit. Why is it better to sit? The idea is that you're supposed to, it's part of your meal. A meal is eaten sitting, so Kiddush is connected to the meal, and it should be done sitting. Okay, everybody has their, has different customs. My custom actually is to stand for the whole thing, but uh, some people stand for part of it, sit for part of it. The Rama, Ramosh Israel's pre- preference is that one stands for the very beginning when they say, Yom and then they sit for the rest. Again, because since the meal is sitting, so the Kiddush that's connected to the meal should be sitting. Why should one stand for Yom so he says, because it hints the name of God acrostically, meaning that if you look at those words, Yom HaShishi, Yom HaShishi is the end of the previous verse. It's the end <laughs> of chapter one of Horatius. It's, it's actually part of, a, of an earlier verse. The earlier verse says, <clears throat> again, it's on, the, it's on page two of the source sheet. At the top, it says, and God saw all that he had made. It was very good. It was evening and it was morning, the sixth day. Now we start Kiddush really in the middle of that verse. Because we start, at least out loud, we start Yom HaShishi. So that's first of all interesting. We start with Yom HaShishi. Why do we start with Yom HaShishi? Sarama says, because we're spelling out God's name acrostically. Because the word Yom starts with the Yod. Hashishi starts with the hey, so you have a yod and a hey. And then the next verse begins, Vayafulu, which starts with the vav, and Hashamayim, the heavens, and God completed the heavens. Hashamayim starts with the hey. So we have at the beginning of those four words, yod and hey and vav and hey, which spells out God's name. And for some reason, unknown to me, we want to begin the Kiddush by spelling out God's name acrostically. And the Ramah says, since we're doing that, so we should, uh, we should, um, we should uh, do it standing because we're, we're, we're saying God's name. Okay, that's what Ramah says. Now, a common custom, though, is actually to not begin with the words Yom Hashishi, but to actually go back a few words to Yom Hashishi means the sixth day, but to go back and say, Vayerev, Vayivoker, Yom Hashishi. And it was evening. And it was morning, the sixth day, which is also beginning in, starting in the middle of a verse. But as the Chassam Sofer explains, you want to say something that makes sense. If you just start, it's true we're trying to get God's name in and say, Yom HaShishi, which stands for God's name. But to just start Yom HaShishi, the sixth day, you're not doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, the sixth day. What does that mean? So therefore, the custom is to go back even a few more words and say, and it was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day, even though that's taking drawing from the middle of a verse. But uh, at least it's a, it's a clause that makes sense. It means something. And, uh, and that's where we start. Common practice is to say the beginning in more of an undertone. It was evening, it was morning. You say that quietly. And then you say, Yom HaShishi out loud. And that's the really the beginning of Kiddush. But to make it make sense, you include those words that it was evening and it was morning. So that's the... That's the idea of starting from Yom HaShishi, according to the Ramah. It's in order to, and he's getting this from earlier sources, really. It's in order to be able to get in the, uh, the name of God. Okay. But going back again to that same source, the Ramah, he continues, and he says, and actually it's on the top of the second page in the English, and when one starts, one should look at the candles. And during Kiddush, one should look at the cup. 
So here we, we, we return to our discussion about the candles and, uh, and the Ramah says, when we start Kiddush, when we're saying, really, when we're saying Vayichulu, these verses testifying to God creating the world, we should look at least briefly at the candles. Where does this come from? So this comes from our passage in the Gemara. Many understand that, again, based on Ramah's just quoting earlier sources, when we said that one's eyesight returns at Kiddush, the Ramah is understanding that 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 is by that is done through looking at the candles. When one looks at the candles, that's when one's eyesight is restored. A person takes these big steps during the week; they lose one five hundredth of their eyesight. When they look at their candles, their eyesight is restored, and they say it works out to the gematria. Because the gematria, the numerical value of the, of the word ner, nun and resh, is 250. We have two of them. We have two ners, each one 250, which equals 500. So you lose a 500th of your, uh, of your eyesight when you take these big steps, but you look at the ner and the ner, which is 500, and your eyesight is restored at Friday night, Kiddush. Okay. So, obviously, we need to try to understand more what's going on here. What's this idea? We're losing our eyesight from taking big steps. We're getting it back by looking at the candles. It's very strange, right? So, uh, so we're going to try to explain it in, in terms that will make sense to us. But you'll have to wait to the end of the class for that. Um, because there's going to be a process to get there. Um, now, just mentioned, the Rama also says that Dukkidish wants to look at the cup. That's because um, when we're making a blessing over the cup, this is a, a this is a the cup is called Koshal Bracha. It's a it's a cup for a blessing. First of all, we're going to make a blessing on it of Hagafen on the wine. So you should look at what you're making the blessing on when you do that. And even the Kiddush itself, the blessing of Kiddush, is done over the cup. You should look at the cup. When do we look at the candles? That's before. Before, when we're just saying the verses that introduce the Kiddush, that uh, testify to the creation of the world, that's when we look at the candles. But uh, when we actually um, make the Kiddush, we should look at the cup that we're making Kiddush over. Okay. So we discussed just a moments ago, that in the Kiddush, we start with Yom HaShishi. We start the Kiddush by mentioning the sixth day. And the explanation seems to be because it's just a matter of trying to get God's name in there. We just, because uh, it stands for God, Yud and Hey and Bob and Hey, and we're just trying to, to get God's name in. That's why we start from Yom HaShishi. And that's, that's how it seems to be brought down by the Ramah, by Ramosha Israelis in the Shulchan Aruch. However, Rav Hirsch, Rav Shamshin Raphael Hirsch has a different explanation. Why do we want to mention Friday as we begin our Kiddush? There's actually a connection between Friday and Shabbos, and that's why we're starting Kiddush by mentioning Friday. We're really trying to tie the two together. So to understand this, we're going to read three more sources on our page. We are not going to try to understand them yet. And then we're going to explain them based on, or really, Rav Hirsch's explanation. So 
So three more ideas. The first is a Gemara in Shabbos, the Talmud, the Gemara says, and actually before we do that, I just want to point out that this verse, verse 31 of the chapter one of Bereshus that we keep mentioning, Yom HaShishi, the sixth day, the one that we start Kiddush with. So that verse, it's different than all the other days of the week. Each day, so the Torah says, after the first day of creation, it says, it was evening, it was morning, Yom Echad, one day, and then it says, Yom Sheni, the second day, or a second day, it doesn't say, Hasheni, the second day, it just says, Yom Sheni, and it says, Yom Shalishi, the third day, a third day, it doesn't say, Hashlishi, etc. Only when we get to Friday, do we have that, hey, do we have that, Yom Hashishi, and the hey, the ha, means the. So, all of a sudden, we have, the sixth day. And the sages were bothered by this. Why is it <laughs> that for the first six days of creation, it doesn't say the first day, the second day, the third day, only by the sixth day does it say the sixth day. So one explanation comes from the Gemara in Shabbos, AEA. Says the Gemara, as Reish Lakish said, what is the meaning of that which is written, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Why do I require the superfluous letter hey, which doesn't appear on any of the other days? Says Reish Lakish in the Gemara, when it says the sixth day, it's hinting to a different sixth day. It teaches that the Holy One, blessed be he, established the condition with the act of creation and said to them, if Israel accepts the Torah on the sixth day of Sivan, you will exist, meaning creation will exist. And if they do not accept it, I will return you to Tovavo, the primordial state of chaos and disorder, will cancel the world. In other words, the Gemara there is saying that the world hung in the balance until the day on which the Jewish people received the Torah, the sixth day of Sivan, because all of creation was dependent on the Torah being accepting and there being a people to carry out God's vision for the world. And if not, then the world, there's no purpose anymore. I would return to nothingness. And that's why it says the sixth day, Hashishi, it's a hint to a different sixth day. The sixth day of Sivan, many years later, that uh, upon which everything would depend. That's the Gemara. The Midrash, voracious Rabbi, has a different explanation why it says hashishi. It was evening and it was morning, the sixth day. Rabbi Yudan said, this is the additional hour that one takes away, not hour, it's really sha'a, moments it could be, that one takes away from the profane and adds to the sacred during which the labor of the world was completed. So, uh, so the, uh, that is why the sixth day and having earth were finished is written. So what the Midrash is saying is the word hey is extra, the letter hey, the sixth day. It's somehow adding something. It's not so clear to me how the Midrash arrives at its conclusion, but the conclusion is that it teaches me about the idea of Mosifin Mechol Al HaKodesh. We can add from the weekday onto the Shabbos that we have the ability, what's called Tosef Shabbos, we can 
take in Shabbos early, we can add on to Shabbos from Friday. We can prolong or, or really pre-start um, Shabbos. And, uh, and what we might call early Shabbos, we can start early and add from Friday. That's why it says Hashishi, the sixth day, is somehow hinting. Again, it's not clear to me how that it arrives this conclusion, but that you can add from the weekday onto the Shabbos and start Shabbos early on Friday. Yeah, Robert, do you have a question? Yeah, I was just going to say that Rachel Akish's explanation only works if you hold that uh, the Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan, which there's a machloket over there. Right. Yes, that's correct. But many people do hold that, and that's in practice how when we have Shavuos every year now with a fixed calendar anyway. That's correct. Okay, so we have two explanations. One is that uh, it says the sixth day because because it's hinting to the sixth day of Sivan, the world hung in the balance that, uh, that only, uh, only if the Jewish people would accept the Torah would the world exist. That's what's being hinted to at the end of creation. And it was even as during the sixth day. All this that happened depends on the sixth day of Sivan. That's one idea. Second idea is that says the sixth day, the extra word is somehow hinting the idea that the sixth day could be an extension of Shabbos that we can add to Shabbos. Um, we can't start Shabbos in the morning. You have to wait till the afternoon, what we call Plag Hamincha, nine and three quarter halachic hours into the day. But uh, but once that, you know, the late afternoon, one can start Shabbos early if they wish. Okay, one more midrash that we'll use to and then tie uh, everything Rabbi, together. Rabbi, 10 and three yeah. quarter hours, I think. That's what, yeah, nine and three quarter hours. No, it's 10 and three nine, quarter the nine hours and three quarters of an hour. What do you mean? Okay. From the morning, yeah. Um, okay. The, the Midrash, another Midrash. The Midrash says, it's going on the words that God blessed the Shabbos. And it says, why did he bless Shabbos? I mean, why did Shabbos need a blessing? Rabbi Brachian, Rabbi Dostai, and Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman. Rabbi Brachian and Rabbi Dostai say, it is because it does not have a partner. Shabbos needs a special blessing because Shabbos doesn't have a partner. Sunday has Monday, Tuesday has Wednesday, Thursday has Shabbat Eve, meaning Friday, but Shabbos has no partner. So we need extra blessing. And then it says, Rabbi Shem Ben Yochai taught. Shabbos said before the Holy One, blessed be he. Master of the universe, all of them have partners, but I do not have a partner. The Holy One, blessed be he, said to it. So God says, The congregation of Israel is your partner. That's the answer. Shabbos says, I don't have a partner. God says, the Jewish people will be your partner. And then it says, the Midrash says, when Israel stood before Mount Sinai, the Holy One, blessed be he, said to them, remember, the matter that I said to Shabbos. Remember <laughs> what I told Shabbos, that Israel is your partner. And that is the meaning of the statement in the Ten Commandments, remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. The Midrash interprets, Zachor HaSiyom HaShabbos. Remember the Shabbos guy is saying, remember that I made you the partner for Shabbos. That's what you have to remember. So we have Shabbos saying that I have no partner. Sunday is Monday, Tuesday is Wednesday, Thursday is Friday, but I have no partner. And God responds that Shabbos, that to Shabbos, that the Jewish people will be your partner. And uh, 
And that's Zachar Shem Shabbos. Remember the Shabbos to keep it holy. So this also needs explanation. What does it mean? The days have partners. Shabbos doesn't have a partner. We're the partner of Shabbos. Shabbos is our partner. How, what's, what's going on here? So the first two Midrashim that we just quoted, Rav Hirsch addresses. Rav Shabbos and Rav Hirsch in his commentary to Genesis to Bracious. And Rav Hirsch says that when you see a word that has a hey at the beginning, the, the, the sixth day. Um, so under certain circumstances like this one, it tells us that it's something that was being looked forward to. The one kind of the, the day that we've been waiting for. The sixth day, it was morning, it was fine, you know, in a certain sense, like it was, it was more, evening, it was morning, it was finally the sixth day, it was done. The, the, that which we have been waiting for was now complete. The sixth day was complete. Um, so, and it really connects it back to all the previous days. If it had just said, like any other day, it was evening, it was morning, day six, so then it, there would be nothing that connects day six back to the previous days as if they were leading up to day six. But when it says it was even the sixth day, so it's saying here it is finally everything that we've been leading up to is it is now here and it connects everything. It connects the, the, the sixth day back to all the previous days. Um, so, okay. So all the days were leading up, we're waiting for day six. Why? What happened on day six that all of creation was was gearing up for? What happened on day six was the creation of mankind. Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, everything in creation was made, was created for the purpose leading up to the creation of mankind. Mankind who would rule over all other creations who would sort of be in charge of the world, um, be the ones that everything there is, is, is made for. And so, so he says that all, all of creation is there for, for mankind to use to serve its ultimate purpose, which is to serve God. But uh, where all of creation is 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 meant for us and so that's the lead up to yom hashishi finally the sixth day everything can now achieve its purpose and he says now we understand the idea of the gemara that says that the world kind of waited the world trembled the world was existing on condition that the jewish people accept the torah he says that because the world was really dependent on those creations being able to fulfill their purpose. The, that creation, the creation of, of man, of humankind, to be able to fulfill its purpose. Now, it could be that it may have, could have played out differently, that uh, we, the world may have been a different place without Adam and Eve sinning, but, and without, uh, you know, 
It may play out differently in terms of who would be the ones to receive the Torah. Would it be specifically Israel? Could, it, could Israel be a more expansive uh, people, including other nations? But in the end of the day, it's Israel as the descendants of the forefathers who step up to take that, uh, take that role. And, and they're the ones who are to, to receive the Torah and allow the world to, or, you know, we're still working on it, but uh, to, to bring the world to its ultimate purpose. But it's only because they were ready to, they, and they did accept the Torah on the 6th of Sivan. So the whole world, all of creation is waiting for the creation of mankind. But even mankind is only going to justify all of creation, validate all of creation, if mankind can serve its purpose. And in order for mankind to be able to achieve its purpose, they need that there's a people who accept the Torah later in history. And that's already hinted to in that day, the sixth day. Um, and so he says that the... When is it that we get a reminder of our purpose? We, says Rapersh, we have a weekly reminder of our purpose. We have a weekly reminder of that we have a, a role to play and how we're supposed to use the world to serve not ourselves, but to serve and use it to achieve God's will. And that's Shabbos. Every week on Shabbos, we stop what we're doing. We're, we stop using the world, maybe for our own purposes. We're reminded that we're to use the world for God's purpose. If it was for our own purposes, we could keep doing whatever we want. But every week we get a reminder that you need to stop. You need to stop creating. It's not for you. If it was for us, we could keep going. But it's not for you. And God says, I'm going to remind you, it may be that I made you masters of over, over creation, but I'm the master of the masters. And, and, all of it is meant to be dedicated towards fulfilling my will. And so the reason, says Rav Hirsch, that we can add from Friday onto Shabbos is because there's this overlap, really, that between what was created on the sixth day, man, and Shabbos, that... Uh, the way he says it is, um, the, the sixth day is the crown of creation when, when man is created. And it's because of that that it can enter sort of the realm of Shabbos because, um, because it's, it's on Shabbos that, that we're reminded of our purpose. To remind man who was created on the sixth day the great purpose that he has and his obligations. And so the seventh day, he says, is really dependent on the sixth day. And it, um, it completes it, it fulfills it, and it complements it. And what he's, I think, ultimately saying is you, the purpose of Shabbos, and one purpose, we give lots of purposes, but is, is to remind man of his purpose. The purpose of Shabbos is to remind man of his purpose. So, 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 so Shabbos is really a completion of the creation of man. Man is a completion of Shabbos. You can't have a Shabbos without man to observe it. So if we think about the, uh, the Midrash that 
tells us that Shabbos and man are partners. All the days are partners, and uh, and Shabbos and mankind are partners. So, so what this means, Ramosha Shapiro explains, is that the what does it mean all the days are partners? Monday is a partner, Sunday is a partner with Monday, Tuesday with Wednesday. So on a deeper level, each of the days refers to is represented by one of the spheros. One of the this Kabbalistic terms, Kabbalistic ideas, where uh, there's different attributes of God that uh, that manifest themselves in the world, and uh, and we call them spheros. And the and each one corresponds to this. So for example, the the attribute of chesed of kindness is corresponds to the first day of creation where god brought everything into creation that's how the commentaries explain everything was created on day one and then it was kind of distributed and formed the rest of the six days so so day one was chesed it was just unlimited bestowing of goodness without controlling a certain sense day two is the next um sphera which is givura which is might which is control, which is then taking the what was made and 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 arranging it more. And he says he doesn't go into details, but he, he says each of the each of the days corresponds to one of the spheres, and they complement each other. But it's not just that they complement each other; they 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 make each other visible. They make each other recognizable. If uh, you know, if there's unlimited giving then it becomes like it, it loses its its significance there has to be if a person let's say you know has has like stuff being thrown at them constantly non-stop literally non-stop they can never use what's being given to them there has to be a you have to stop giving me so i can i can now take what you're giving me the in order to to bring out each attribute you, you need the the contrasting trait so chesed kindness needs to be contrasted with givura with might with control um and uh and they complement each other um similarly you know as an analogy right you have black and white yeah if everything was black so then you wouldn't be able to distinguish anything you need white you need whiteness if everything was light and white you wouldn't be able to distinguish anything you need black so so you need you need contrast to be able to to distinguish things something with without what 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 the idea of the partnering of the days is that each one allows us to see the other one allows us allows the other one to 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 exist and be recognizable the same way with shabbos and and friday and not shabbos and friday but shabbos and mankind right shabbos is the partner of man and the idea is that it's man that brings out the significance of shabbos Right? What Shabbos without without people to keep Shabbos? It's the seventh day. It would go unnoticed, right? If there weren't people keeping Shabbos, you only see Shabbos if there's a people who keep it. If there's a people who work for six days and then stop on the seventh day, Shabbos needs a partner to be to exist. It, it, I mean, it would exist, but it wouldn't. Uh, nobody, nobody would recognize it. We have a. Uh, we have uh, just a rotating, you know, six-day week, and uh, the the only thing that 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 gives Shabbos um, recognition, recognizability, is if uh, if there's a people who are keeping it. Shabbos needs us as a partner, but we also need Shabbos as a partner because we can't achieve our significance without Shabbos. Without that constant reminder 
that the, the world is not ours to do as we please with. The world is given to us to all that all of this creation that we're given is uh is is given to us to to use to achieve a higher purpose. And so on Shabbos, God says, stop. I need to remind you of what it's all about. I need to remind you everything that I've given you, all the malacha, all the work that you do during the week, come Shabbos, you, you get the ultimate reminder that it's it's for me. Because I tell you, you can't use it. You can't do it anymore. And that, that reminds us that although God is giving us mastery over the world, but it's only for his, for his will. And so on Shabbos, we stop and we get a reminder of that. And so we need Shabbos to achieve our purpose, to achieve our significance. Without, uh, without Shabbos, without that reminder, then, uh, then, then the Jewish people don't, don't achieve their, their ultimate purpose. So, so Rav Hirsch says that it makes sense that we mention Friday at Kiddush. We mention Friday, we begin the Kiddush with, it was evening, it was morning, Yom HaShishi, that Friday was completed because we need to mention, not Friday for itself, but Friday, because Friday is the day that man was created. And, and the day that man was created is significant. That's, it's the partner of Shabbos. It's uh, it, the, the, the world is dependent on that man who was created, accept a Torah and, and, and use it to carry out the will of God in this world to, and to, to, to achieve the, the purpose of the universe. So, uh, so Friday night, we come home, we've taken big steps all week, perhaps. And, uh, and, uh, we start to make Kiddush, and at Kiddush, we look at the candles, and, uh, and our vision is restored, right? What's that all about? So the Kuyakar of Ephraim Lundjus has a work called Olos Ephraim, and there he explains that the idea of taking big steps, the idea of taking big steps is the idea of arrogance. We, we, we associate big steps with arrogance, striding, sort of, strutting, um, and, uh, and our sages teach us that a person who's arrogant, they lose their wisdom. Um, we can, uh, you know, we can imagine that, right? We don't, uh, we, we begin to make rash decisions out of arrogance, out of pride. And, uh, and so when he says, when, when it says that we lose our vision, what it means is not our physical vision, but our, our mental vision, our, our decision-making is, 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 is affected. If we take wide steps, if we take big steps, if we act in an arrogant manner, how do we get it back? At Kiddush, when we take in Shabbos, because Shabbos reminds us of our purpose. Shabbos reminds us that everything that exists comes from God. God created it. And, uh, and first of all, it humbles us and, uh, and it hopefully reminds us of our purpose. So maybe to just take it a step further and kind of tie together what we've been saying. So he doesn't say this, but I think based on everything we've been saying, we can understand it this way. You know, big steps represent arrogance. Um, an arrogant person is someone who lives for themselves. The, the, the Gemara actually says that a person who's arrogant, there's no room for both him and God in the world at the same time. We don't have room. Like, how can I say that I need, if, I, if, I, if I'm full of arrogance, then how can I say that 
that how can I acknowledge God in my life? That anything comes from God. It all comes from me. It's all for me. It's all to serve me. And, uh, and that causes one to lose track of their purpose, of their mission, because their purpose becomes to serve themselves. How do we get it back? Shabbos. Shabbos enters. We look at the candles. We are, we're reminded of Zachar and Shamar. We're reminded of Shabbos. We're reminded maybe of Zachar, like we said. Zachar, the Midrash says, is reminding us that we, God says, remember, you're the partner of Shabbos. Remember, you're the partner of Shabbos. That, and Shabbos is your partner. That, that we, uh, we each have, have we, 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 it's true. We're masters of the world. We take big steps. We kind of, you know, show our mastery over the world by our big steps. But Shabbos reminds us, on Shabbos, we don't take big steps. On Shabbos, we don't walk all over the world like that. On Shabbos, we are reminded that it's not our world, that we're not the masters, and that it's, it's God's world. God is the master. And that's the reminder of, of the, that we get at Kiddush. And then our vision is restored. Our vision comes back and uh, we start to see things in the right perspective. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I held you, held you late, but thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was really fascinating.